And this is also a seam of Masechta by the Zorah. In regards to the prohibition of eating food cooked by a non-Jew, which we learn at least as, as a support posik to it, because in essence this is a it's a rabbinic decree that we should not eat something that was cooked by a guy, but the Chachamim, our sages, found a posuk which supports the idea, even though the posuk is not strictly a prohibition, but it, it shows the idea of not eating something that a non-Jew cooked. What is, that posuk is in our parsha. What does it say in that posuk? The Yidin said to the nation that they wanted to pass through, Oichel bekesef tashbireini, you will you will feed me food for payment. And I will eat that food. And you'll sell me water, which I will drink. So we learn from there. Just like water, when we drink, when they gave us water to drink, it was water does not change the way it is. It always remains, even if you cook it, it's not changed. Through the fire. The fire doesn't change it fundamentally. So also the food that they were permitted to eat, that the Goyim would sell them, was only in its original form, but not if it was cooked. So we see a support for the idea that you're not allowed to eat food cooked by a Goyim, from our parsha. So in regards to this halacha, there is a disagreement between the Paskim, the halachic sources, See the kelim was haben al was haben beleigeven in zich platas bishulin nachrim veren oich aser adenisht. There is a dispute whether what happens if a guy cooked food, so you're not allowed to eat that food. Can you use that pot to cook something kosher? In other words, that which the pot absorbed from food which is essentially kosher. It's only that a guy cooked it. So it, now the pot absorbed that food that the guy cooked. Does that render this pot as treif, as non-kosher, and you can't use it for, uh, for kosher food, for other food? So there's machlaikis whether that is so or not. There are paiskim which, which are of the opinion, that since the whole reason why the Chacham and the sages prohibited eating food cooked by a guy is because it could lead to intermarriage because if you're eating together with a guy and you begin to socialize together and you're partying together so then it, uh, one thing leads to another so in order to, uh, to make sure that we don't become too close to the goyim in order to intermarry they said they made this ban on eating anything that they cook and this means that there can't be that kind of socializing so since the whole reason for cooking and not eating cook, food cooked by a guy, bishul akum we'll call it, is because of that, uh, the, the worry of intermarriage, valdos can bring it to chito mitanoches, because this could lead to marrying a non-Jew, hot menisht plate. so they, the Chachamim did not feel that it was necessary to prohibit that which is absorbed by the pot. Because that is not going to lead to intermarriage. That, that is so removed from any kind of problem of chasnus. So therefore they didn't feel that there was a need to prohibit also the kalim. But according to most halachic sources, is as the kalim, their opinion is that also the kalim of Bishalakam are prohibited because whenever the Chachamim made a prohibition whatever keli, whatever pot or dish absorbed that food is also prohibited perhaps we could say one could say that this is similar to the case of the Chachamim prohibited using a plank of wood which is four tfachim wide, as a covering for the sukkah, as a part of your schach. If it's that wide, four tfachim wide, you're not allowed to use it as schach, because it looks like a ceiling already. That's, that is more similar to making a ceiling on your, or a roof on your sukkah. 
because the din is so therefore the halacha in that case is as a filu hafchan al and that even if you turned it you upended the, the, that plank so let's say you used a, a two by six which or two by eight which is uh, let's say two inches thick by by four tfachim wide but you turned it on the two inch side so that all you see from the sukkah is a two inch plank the four, the eight inches is going up, the fourth facham is pointing upward, so it's not covering that amount of your sukkah so even then it's still also, you're not allowed to use that plank as a part of your and the reason is because that plank is prohibited from being used as schach however you use it, even if you use it in a way that it isn't, doesn't look like a ceiling, like a roof there is a puzzle so therefore, even if you turn it on its side, it's also puzzle as chach. When vidar ragat shavar is masvin, as the ragat shavar goin explains, ados is val azachvas is osur mitzadak zayre to levanander azach belachir is osur, because when something is prohibited by the chachamim as a decree that this should not be used, and the reason that they made that decree is because it there is a problem which is tikra, you're not allowed to use you're not allowed to make a roof over your sukkah, so therefore they made a set a plank that is four tfachim wide, looks like a roof, and therefore the the four, the four tfachim plank is usser because it resembles a roof so, so, so therefore whenever that happens says the Rogachava the thing which they prohibited becomes just like a roof so therefore this plank is considered a roof not only when the reason for the Isr which they originally imposed this decree for which would be if you were to see a plank that is Fort wide going across the sukkah it would look like a roof, but you turned it on its side, so it doesn't look like that anymore. But since they, the Chachamim, prohibited it because of Tikra, so therefore, however you put it on, it's still prohibited. So you could say the same thing as in regards to Bishulakum, as as the Tama is Bishulin that even though the reason, uh, the reason for Bishulin Nachrim is Mishum Chasnus, is because it could lead to intermarriage. So anything that a guy cooks becomes prohibited, regardless of whether the way you did it, it could lead to intermarriage. It's usher regardless. Just like the schach that's turned on its side is also usher. And that's why the prohibition remains even if the original reason why it was prohibited, which is because of intermarriage, doesn't really apply to what is absorbed inside the pot, but it still remains an iser, just like that schach, even though it's turned on its side, it's still an iser. So one could say that there is a, uh, they're similar to each other, it's for the same reason. Base. And one could say perhaps that what is the source of this opinion of the majority of the poskim, which is that it's osur, even though it's absorbed. There is a story that is brought at the very end of Over there, he's talking, the Gemara is talking about how do you kasher a, a knife that became absorbed by something that is used by a goy, a knife that was used by a goy for non kosher food. How do you kasher it? And you want to not use it for hot food, but lechel and you want to eat cold food. You want to cut something that's cold with that knife. What do you have to do before you can do that? Is And if we interpret that story, that the story is dealing with the issue of cooked uh, of a, of kalim that absorbed what a goy cooked. That will explain a number of difficulties with that story. In other words, the story there, as we will soon see what the story is, talks about a prohibition that was um, attached to the knife. They had to deal with that prohibition before they could use the knife to eat. 
The question is, what was that prohibition? So the Rebbe says, if you interpret that story as the prohibition, what the problem with that knife was that it had been used for a guy's cooking rather than for actual non-kosher food, then it'll answer many difficulties that we find with that story. What's the story? The Zeulosh Nashas, this is the story, the, uh, what the Shas says. Mar Yehuda Batibar Tuvi, Mar Yehuda was a, an Amaira, and Batibar Tuvi the, uh, was the name of a person, Habiyasa, also Jewish, Habiyasa Kamei Deshver Malka, or at least we don't know if he's Jewish, but we'll soon see. Habiyasa Kamei Deshver Malka, they were sitting before Shver the king. King Shver was the king of Persia, and they were sitting in his presence. So they brought a cooked estrog before them. So the king cut himself a piece and he ate it. Then he cut another piece with his own knife, with the knife that was from the, the palace. And he gave it to Batibar Then he stuck it ten times into the ground. As the Gemara there had said, that in order to be able to kasher this knife, you have to stick it ten times into hard earth. That's what cleans the knife and makes it kosher. So then, he, so the king did that ten times before he served Rabbi Yehuda. Posak, and then he cut a piece for Rabbi Yehuda. Havli Mar Yehuda, and he gave it to Rabbi Yehuda. Mar Yehuda. Amalei Bati Bartubi, so Bati Bartubi said to the king, Vahu Gavra loved by Yisraelu, and the other guy, meaning himself, I'm not Jewish, what am I, chopped liver? Why didn't you stick it into the ground in order to serve me before you cut my piece of Esri? Amalei, so the king responded to him, Mar Kimli Begavei, in regards to Mar Yehuda, I know, I know about him, I know that he keeps kosher. Umar, but you, I don't know if you have these standards that you don't eat, uh, you know, from the king's knife. So therefore, I didn't do it for you. And the Rebbe interprets the Aramaic. Rabbi Yehuda Makir Ani Isur. In regards to Rabbi Yehuda, I know that he will not eat something that is prohibited. But in regards to you, Eini Muxik Parush I don't. I'm not certain. I have no uh, reason to believe that you will also you are also meticulous and about this and careful about this. That's how Rashi explains it. So that's one expl- that's one's explanation of what or one inversion of what the king said. Ikadamri others in the Gemara say, Omale that what the king said to him was itker mai remind, remind yourself what you did last night. And Rashi explains that what did he mean by that? The way of the Persians was that along with a food, with a with food, a meal, and a place to sleep, they also offered a woman. And when they sent these women to their to their rooms, Bati Bati accepted the the offer of Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Yehuda refused, of course, the offer. Again, Rashi explaining. So that's the story. Learn in the If you look at the story on the surface, is the chilek tzvishin ditzvei mando omars. There is a difference. Uh, there are two opinions about what the king said to him. Either that he didn't, he didn't believe that he kept kosher. He wasn't sure that he kept kosher. Or you know, we know what you are. Um, in them emphav and shver malke in them. In regards, in regards to the difference between these two opinions about what the king said to him. That according to the first version, the king said to him that I don't know that you would also not be careful and meticulous about eating something that is prohibited. As Rashi says, I don't know for sure. I don't have a reason to believe that you do that. But according to the second opinion, is by M given avados as there is nish perish. The king knew for sure that he wasn't uh, meticulous and worried about this stuff. Because I know what you did, what happened last night. So the origin, the first opinion is that he wasn't sure. The second opinion is that he was sure, that he wouldn't care. So based on this, we have to understand. That 
since Bhatti accepted these non-Jewish women, and he certainly, woman at least, and he certainly violated a an Avera, according to the first opinion the story remains a story the, the facts of the story remain the same everybody agrees that he had sent him a woman the night before so if the king knew that he accepted that why was he saying I'm not sure that you uh, that you keep kosher and he know for sure he should know for sure that he doesn't uh, that he's not careful about Torah mitzvahs. It's very difficult to say as the Amri in It's very difficult to say that this, the first opinion doesn't hold that he sent these women because they're not arguing about what the facts of the story are. They're just arguing about what the, the what was behind the story. So therefore, we have to assume that the facts of the story that he sent women were true. So the question is, why was he only uh, unsure that he would that he wasn't careful about Torah mitzvahs? He should have been sure. So the, there would be no arguments. This is geshen the falfen avadet beorta adenish. It's difficult to say that they were arguing whether that thing happened at night or not. So we have that problem. Gimel that question. In other words, why? You know why is there room for doubt of the king that he's whether he's meticulous or not? Gimel that in Taisus the Taisus says as that Bati did not commit a sin by accepting the woman. He was still somewhat of a slave. He had the status of a slave at least somewhat because Shemukav gets shichur even though he had been given freedom and so therefore he becomes Jewish by, be, by being given freedom he was a non-Jewish slave but he was given freedom but he didn't get the document which, give, which confers freedom upon him just like a woman when she's married needs an actual get the document has to be handed to her in order for her to gain her freedom from this marriage so also a get, uh, an Eved needs the get in order to become fully full-fledged free person which means then he would be Jewish but since he hadn't received it so he was still an Eved to some degree and an Eved is and an Eved is allowed to have a non-Jewish woman possibly it's talking about a, a Jewish slave that he was a Jewish slave I don't know and one could say as Rashi was as Bati is the mitnish bagangikan isur Rashi Taisa says that he did not commit a sin, but Rashi doesn't tell us this thing which Taisa says. He doesn't say that Bati didn't commit a sin. So each one goes according to their opinion elsewhere, which is if somebody declares there was a person that owned a slave and he declares I've given up hope my, my slave ran away I have no idea where it is I've given up hope of ever seeing him again so that is in a sense a declaration of he's mafkir he declares that slave to be ownerless because when somebody gives up hope of ever getting back something that's considered hefkir when he is miyayish he gives up hope it's considered to be ownerless he removed his ownership from it he relinquished his ownership from it, and therefore anybody can come along and take it. So this Eved now becomes no longer, the, uh, that master doesn't own him anymore. So the halacha still remains that he, in order to gain his freedom, he needs that shtar, he needs that get, shichur. This is found in Masech Tegitin, Rashi is Rashi Mefaris, so over there Rashi explains Rashi says that what that means is he can't marry either a Jewish woman because he's still partially slave because he didn't get his shikhra, his uh, document of freedom and he's not allowed to marry a, a slave woman either because he's already was given freedom so he's already Jewish and not allowed to marry a, a shivcha because he has somewhat of a freedom and therefore he can neither marry a Jewish woman nor a slave woman 
Abetaisus Dart Laren, but Abetaisus there says Nishvi Rashi, not as Rashi says, nor rather what Taisus says is as Emlet Takanibabas Chayrin Kamar. What the Gemara means, he's still not permitted to marry a Jewish woman. Avol Beshiv Chashadibir still remains permitted to marry a slave woman because he's still uh, bound by slavery. So that's a Machlekes and Rashi and Taisus over there. And the same machlekes carries over into this story. Is that he also he didn't have that document of slavery, uh, of freedom from slavery. So according to Rashi, he's prohibited from being with a slave woman. That's why Rashi doesn't excuse him by saying that he was permitted to be with a non-Jewish woman, because even though he had somewhat of freedom, because he had somewhat of freedom, even though he doesn't have full freedom, he's still prohibited to mar- to have a non-Jewish woman. But according to Taisus, is a mutabashivcha. Then he is permitted to marry a slave woman as long as he doesn't have his get shichrur, and therefore valderos abenachris. The same would apply to a non-Jewish woman, and therefore he was, but he was permitted to be with those women, and therefore it wasn't a criticism of him. He wasn't doing anything wrong. In any case, that explains the basis of the disagreement between Rashi and Taisus here, but we still have to understand this Nish Muvin. So we have to understand, Light Pirisha Taisus, according to the way that Taisus sees it, since Bati had not committed a sin by, by doing that, why was the king? throwing it in his face. You remember what you did last night if he didn't do anything wrong. So what is the king commenting on? And it's, and it's in response to his saying, why did you feed me something non-kosher? So he said, well, what, are your, what you did last night. So therefore, <clears throat> what is the explanation then? The Ritva is Masbid. The, the Ritva explains, Ashwar Malka That Shver Malka, he, he wasn't aware of this whole thing, the pilpul whether he is allowed to be with a non-Jewish woman or not, therefore he he was suspicious of him. It's just like he's not careful. He knows Jews are not allowed to be with non-Jewish women. So he's, he's not careful about that. So he's not going to worry about whether the knife is kosher or not. But this is not so because... But in, in fact, there is a problem. Shvermalka miscalculated about it, but the truth is, it is a, is a problem. Ki eved because a non-Jewish slave, uh, a slave is prohibited from doing, from eating non-kosher. He has to keep all the laws of kosher. And just like he's not allowed to eat chazer or nevela, he's not allowed to eat the kalim in which it's cooked either. So therefore, the king miscalculated. He didn't. He thought that it's connected. But even if he commits that sin, and he was permitted to commit that uh, sin, what what would be to a Jew a sin? But kosher, he's not allowed. He's not allowed to commit the sin. He has to keep kosher. I shouldn't say a sin. If he if he did what he did at night, that doesn't mean that he's allowed to eat non-kosher. So this answer of the Ritva still needs explanation because the Gemara says that Shver Malka was a he was a Rashi they say that he was well versed in Jewish law as we see from this story itself he seems to know what he's doing is nish mistaber, so therefore it doesn't it doesn't stand to reason. As a nish gevuz dem din, as an eved muter benachris, that this one he didn't know that an, a, a slave is allowed to be with a non-Jewish woman. That he would have known that, as since he was well versed in Jewish law, he would have known that too. As is oich shvetz is It's also difficult to answer. As a nish gevuz as bati is noch an eved ktsas. Perhaps you could say that he wasn't aware of the status of bati that. He was still, he hadn't gotten his get shichrur, and therefore he was still a slave. Maybe he didn't know that aspect of it. It's difficult to answer that because because the Gemara says that Rabbi Yehuda made a pronouncement in the city. He, he put out the word that Bati was still a slave because he didn't get his get shichrur. So it was well known that Bati is still a slave. So that doesn't answer it either. 
Dalid. We also have to understand in when looking at the details of this story. We can understand why Bati took the Esrik to eat from the king. And as it seems from the story, that he ate it. I mean, the, 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 the Gemara doesn't state that he ate it, but obviously that's what would have happened. And that's why he complained. Why didn't you, why didn't you do it for me? Why didn't you kasher it before you gave it to me? We could explain why Bati did that. In other words, we're assuming that Bati was trying to be careful about kasher. So why did he eat that esrit that was cut by a non-kosher knife? As das is, nishdefarva said, is given nizering nachem. It's not because he wasn't careful about not using non-Jewish, non-kosher dishes. Or that he didn't know the law that you're not allowed to use non-Jewish dishes. Because he brought up the question, you don't consider me to be Jewish. When, but when he said that, it seems from that that he knew that there was a problem and it bothered him that the king didn't treat him with that respect. In other words, he didn't give him the opportunity to eat from a kosher knife. So obviously he did care about it. Nor, however, the reason that he ate it was not because he didn't care. The reason that he ate it was because if he had not eaten, if the king serves you a piece of esrig and you refuse it, this would be someone that, that uh, you know, the king gives you something, you don't have the right to refuse it. Because the king has to have that respect that when he offers something, you have to take it. In fact, doing that kind of a thing could have led to him being killed for it so therefore now he's in a, st- in a, in a situation of where he has to eat it because it could, uh, it could be a danger to his life not to eat it and therefore it, it go, of course any, any of the th- mitzvahs in the Torah except for the three well known ones is he should commit the sin rather than allow himself to be killed so he, when the king hands you something and it's not kosher. If you think that you might be killed, you should eat it. That's why he ate it. The ein stira and there is no contradiction to this because you might say, well, if that was his problem, so then let's look at the rest of the story. So Rebbe says the rest of the story doesn't contradict this premise. Why? What would be the contradiction? After he saw that the king had stuck the knife into the ground for Mar Yehuda. So for him, he did do it, preventing him from eating something that is not kosher. So he challenged the king. He challenges the king. And I'm not Jewish. Why didn't you do that for me? So that seems that he wasn't so afraid of the king. So the, over there he was saying, "Well, why didn't you um, why didn't you do this for me? Because that to refuse the king's offer is one thing; is very insulting. But then to question the king, and perhaps he said it with gr- the greatest respect. He said it in a nice way. That uh, why didn't you do that for me? You know, he could have asked that in a very gentle and uh, way, which would not have been a challenge to the king, even though I presented it in that way before. So therefore, that's not necessarily a contradiction." And that's the reason that Bati Bartuba felt that he should eat it because it could be dangerous to his life. But the question still remains with such very Malka. The question is about the king, about his behavior. Number one, question number one. Since Shver Malka did not want to cause a Jew to eat something that he's not allowed to eat, so just because the king wasn't certain that Bati cares about eating kosher, as Bati is a person Bati is careful about not eating something kosher, is thus maspik as Is that a reason why the king should give him something which is prohibited to him? 
So you're not sure that he won't, but maybe he does care. So why would why would that be a reason not to feed it, to feed him something that is not kosher? Another question. Even according to the other opinion, that Bati certain did did violate a law by at night. Whether it is that he did actually commit a sin according to Rashi, because Rashi says that he was prohibited to be with a slave woman. Or only the way the king saw it. According to Taisus, he didn't commit a, a sin. But the king thought that, it were, that he did commit a sin. So even though the king was under the impression that he committed a sin, that still isn't the reason that he should cause him to commit another sin. Just because he committed one sin, does that mean that he has to cause him to commit another sin? It's possible, quite possible, as It's possible that Bati couldn't stand up to the Yitzhahara in a great temptation, in a big temptation. The Yitzre, the of the sin of committing a sin with a with a non-Jewish woman. But it's quite possible that doesn't mean he has to eat non-kosher just because he couldn't uh, ch- you know, he couldn't control himself with the other sin especially when you look at the technically the, the prohibition of being with a non-Jewish woman not marrying but only as a, as a one-time thing and it's also done in, in quietly just between the two of them it wasn't in public is an Isidar Abonan, is, uh, is a rabbinic prohibition. Sumara so has a whole discussion about it whether that, you know, we see from the story of Pinchas, but Pinchas wasn't public, it was done in a very public way, and the Torah prohibits marrying a non Jewish woman, and there's questions whether that goes into the prohibition of that there should not be a, uh, a, a loose woman or man amongst the Jewish people so being with somebody that you're prohibited to could could fall under that category but that's also a machleka so therefore it's quite possible even likely that this it's only isid rabbanan whereas eating from a non-kosher dish which you could be which could be absor- absorbed with actual non-kosher food and now you're eating it, you have the taste of that food in the food that you're eating in a piece of esrit, that's actually prohibited minatayrit, that's a Torah prohibition. So therefore, that's another pilpul that, that the king <laughs> should have known, I guess. And another question, the Tmiya is, Nochstage, the question is even greater, since in the end, the king knew what to do. He, st- he kashered the knife by sticking it into the ground ten times. He did it only a, a minute later for Mar He could have done the same thing a few seconds earlier, before he served Bobby by, you know, Bobby. So he could have done it just a few minutes earlier. And the mitfar hitnim oich batin funem iser, and by that he would have prevented Bati from eating a non-kosher piece of esrit why did he delay and stuck the knife into the ground kasha the ground why did he wait till after he served Bati and only then did he kasha it which means that the king insisted in a certain way that he should eat something non-kosher he could have done it before and he waited till after so we have to understand about that story so perhaps the explanation of this is by first exp- uh, introducing as the Isur from Usakin is given Nishmet Sadim Macholus Asuras Bachlau Pasaret Belei given in base in bias from Shver Malka. If we look at it this way, that the prohibition, this knife was non-kosher. Why was it non-kosher? So one way of looking at it is because the the chef in the in the uh, in the king's palace that prepares the barbecue, so he's cutting pieces of chazer or nevela with that knife, and then so it absorbs non-kosher meat, the taste of the meat in the knife, and then you're cutting a piece of esrit, so that taste gets exuded into the esrit. 
So, so it's not that was not the issue. Varam Zainika Melech. The reason, the reason that it's not likely that that was the issue with this knife is because Shvermalka was the king of the Persian Empire. He was a mighty person with all kinds of wealth. Is the Klum Melech? Is there anything lacking in the king's house? Of course not. That's actually the Gemara says. Is there anything lacking in the king in the king's house? As Hotnishken or it makes no sense to say as Eifn Eschneiden Peiris Esrig that the king in the king's palace in order to cut a, a fruit when you're serving fruit what knife are you going to put on the fruit platter? This case was a, they were cutting an Esrig. Does it make sense that they use the same knife for the fruit platter as they use in the barbecue? Of course not. There's no question that for fruit they have special fruit knives. Therefore, the knife that he was using wasn't the knife that they had used to cut hot meat. That's not the knife that you use on a, on a fruit platter. So, what then was the problem? That the sakin is given the problem with the knife was, as the Rebbe said before, if we explain it this way, that it was because it absorbed something that they had cooked, a goy had cooked. In other words, that they used this knife when they made cooked apple or cooked other things, which a goy cooks, and there are certain fruits which you have to cook them in order to be able to eat them. If you if an apple, since you can eat it raw, so it doesn't have the prohibition of, of bishulakum, because anything that can be eaten raw without being cooked doesn't have the prohibition of, of cook of bishulakum. But there are certain fruits, like an estrig in particular, which you can't eat it raw. You have to cook it in order to be able to eat it. Then the estrig is prohibited because of bishulakum. Now they use that knife to cut the estrig and some previous thing. And they so they used the knife to cook to cut cooked fruit or harifim that that are spicy as well tart. So therefore, the knife absorbs from the cooked from bishulakum, and that was the problem with this knife. Alpiza is moving, so this could explain the uftu from ikadamri what the what the ikadamri is saying. Ashver malka gezokt itker my avid boort abadet boorta. He mentioned to him. Remember what you did last night. The tama isav v'mishulin nachrim, because as we said before, what is the reason why you're not allowed to eat cooked something cooked by a guy bishulakum? Is mishum chasnas as we said before because of intermarriage? But they say him. In other words, because by eating their food, eventually you also get involved with their daughters. So that's why he brought that up. What the king was saying, since according to the Taisus anyway, the king said to Bati, you're allowed to be with a non-Jewish woman. Remember what happened last night? You were with her. It was fine, right? There was no prohibition. So you're allowed to be with a non-Jewish woman. So the whole reason why the Chachamim prohibited, your sages prohibited you from eating Bishulakum uh, is because it shouldn't lead to a non-Jewish woman. But you're allowed to be with a non-Jewish woman. The whole reason for not eating Bishulakum is because of their daughter, but that doesn't apply to you. That's why he brought it up to him. Although the uh, we the accepted prohibition is, as we said earlier, as the isur from bishul inochem vet k'mayetzema isur, that when when the chachamim say that a you're not allowed to eat bishulakum, so they don't make a difference between let's say the bishulakum which could lead to intermarriage or can't lead to intermarriage, like what's absorbed in the keli. We've said that before, that it doesn't matter. It becomes prohibited in any case. So then that would, so then what's uh, Bobby saying? Uh, what's uh, the king saying? You're allowed to be married to her, but Bishalakum is prohibited. 
when the fire blighted there in the Isura Urdad when the time of of Nisabed bottle, and as we said before, that even though the reason why they prohibited Bishulakum may already may not apply in this case, but it still remains prohibited as Bishulakum. Is the Snishdaimal Dignidam, but that that cannot be compared to what the king was saying to but but Bati. Because what's the difference to what we said earlier? that the, the prohibition still remains even in a case where it doesn't lead, it can't lead to intermarriage, and this case the difference is very dis- very distinct Levad Zeis besides for Vos the Klaufum Etzema Isur what we said before that the as the Raghur Chava said that whatever is prohibited, prohibited becomes like like the prohibition itself, that can only apply when we're talking about a specific uh, object, and therefore, as that since this object has a status of being prohibited for whatever you want to talk about. So look, let's say in the case of the schach, a plank that's four tefachim wide, that plank is prohibited as schach. So, you, so it has a prohibited status. This cannot be used as schach. So it's, that prohibition remains in whatever situation you apply it. In other words, if you stand it on its end, the schach, it doesn't matter. That plank is prohibited. That's when you could say that. But in a case, but if it's in a situation where logic says that the prohibition never attached itself to that situation since the whole reason for the prohibition doesn't even apply in, uh, to this situation to this object as we see in the matter of Bishulakam itself, we see that this is true. As there are a number of ways that the whole prohibition of cooked by a guy doesn't apply. Even if a guy cooked it, it's not prohibited as being cooked by a guy. The because it, the whole gzeira of chasnus doesn't apply is not possible for that situation like let's say I don't know, as an example if they cook something which is so, is so common and cheap and so on that it doesn't even nobody would serve it as a, uh, as a delicacy as a party favor as something that you would serve at a party to guests so therefore since it's not the kind of food that would be served to guests, therefore the whole concept of Bishlagam doesn't apply it would never be served in that kind of a social gathering, and therefore even if a guy cooked it, you're allowed to eat it and the reason is because the whole concept of um, intermarriage can't, it, it couldn't lead to intermarriage, so it never attaches itself to a situation in which this food would never be served in that way so that's number one. But in the, besides for that, does was the bottle. The reason, as the Ragachava says, that the reason, that the uh, the prohibition remains, even if the original uh, the original reason for the gzeira doesn't apply in this particular case. Meint nor as is nishtokan chash as the bishul nocham ken in the deference is chasnus. That only means applies in a situation where this kind of food would be prohibited. That that's the kind of food that the chachamim would apply the gzeira. But in this particular case, like if it's absorbed in the walls of the thing, it wouldn't. That wouldn't lead to to intermarriage. So therefore, I would want to remove. Say that it's okay. So we say no. This thing, this kind of food since it does have the original reason for the gzeira, this kind of food would lead to intermarriage so therefore even if you're doing it in a way which wouldn't lead to intermarriage that doesn't remove the iser from that 
particular food. So that means that this, the, it's true that this situation wouldn't lead to it, but the etzem iser chasens is doch faran, edot faran. But this, because this, these people have the problem of, or the, the prohibition of uh, being involved with a non-Jew applies to them. So even though this particular situation of applying that kind of a food would not lead to chasnus, but they are prohibited from marrying, so therefore, even we still say that you're prohibited from eating, let's say, from the keli of bishulakum. But what about the case of Bati? By Bati, is the Chnishtad the Chasnus? The whole basis of that prohibition doesn't apply to him. He's allowed to intermarry. So, what would be the reason that he shouldn't be able to eat Bishalakum? It's not like there is the problem, but in this particular uh, situation, the problem doesn't apply. We still say it's Asr. By him, the whole thing doesn't apply. So it makes no sense to say that to him the whole concept of marrying a, a non-Jewish woman is completely permitted so would it make sense to say that he's allowed to marry a non-Jew but he's not allowed to eat something that could lead to marriage to a non-Jew to him it's not an issue so therefore it doesn't make sense to say that for Bati there was a problem of eating Bishalakum that's why the king said to him remember last night you're allowed to do that why would you be prohibited from eating from my knife my knife is only a problem as Bishalakum it doesn't apply to you that's what the king was saying to him so that works according to Tesis who says that he was permitted to marry a non-Jew in the same way we could also explain it the answer of the king remember what he did at night according to Rashi who says that he was prohibited from being with a, with a non-Jew that Bati was not permitted to marry a non-Jew so then even though he was still somewhat of a slave how do we explain it according to Rashi since the prohibition of Bishalakum is only to in order to prevent marriage to a non-Jewish woman, the king was simply saying to Bati, what's the whole reason why you're not allowed to eat Bishalakum? In order to prevent you from marrying or being with a non-Jewish woman but you, you are not worried about that at all you, that isn't an issue to you so the king said I know that you don't care about being with a non-Jewish woman so why would I be worried about not feeding you Bishalakam which the whole reason for it is only it might lead to be with a non-Jewish woman you, you don't care about that whole thing even according to Rashi, which says that it's prohibited. So that's what Shvarimalka was saying. The whole thing is Bishalakum. You don't have a problem with Bishalakum because you don't care about being with a non-Jewish woman. So explaining the Isur, the problem that they were dealing with as a Bishalakum issue, explains the conversation, the whole exchange between the king and Bati. Both according to Rashi and according to Taisus. But so based on this we can also explain according to the first opinion um, according to the first one that says that it was, it was uh, just about the king saying I'm not sure what you, uh, whether you keep these laws of kosher or not and he never brought up the thing that happened at night so what's the reason? for what we explained already. What we said already is about that it has to do with bishul akum, which could lead to marriage. Is There's another reason. 
There's two reasons that are given why Bishalakam is prohibited, why the Chachamim made the Gzeda. One is because it might lead to intermarriage. The other one is that the Goy, if a Yid hangs around and eats together with a Goy, eventually the Goy will serve something non-kosher and he eats something non-kosher. That's the other reason given. So in other words, if we're looking at it as a, from the perspective is that the problem here was Bishul Akum, so according to the, man, the, um, the uh, first of, uh, version, the first opinion of what the king said, he was talking about, about Bishul Akum, so he, and he said, uh, we'll get to that in a minute, and we can explain, that these two opinions that the Gemara says here in the story, whether he said to him about, I'm not sure that you keep kosher, and the other one which is that, remember what he did at night, the reason that they argue is because of the, the they have a different opinion of what's the reason for Bishulakum. We'll explain this is based on that Machlaikas. And they, they argue about what is the main reason for prohibiting Bishulakum, at least what is the main reason. They both agree that both of them could be a reason, but what is the main focus of this prohibition? According to the second opinion, which says that he reminded him of what uh, at night, is the Tam Ikrim Shum Chasnus, the main reason of Bishulakam, he holds that the main reason is because it could lead to intermarriage, and the Far, Farem Fata Itkemai Avidbort, and that's why he immediately goes to explain the, the interchange as about marriage. Is it prohibited for you to be married? And you remember what you did at night. So the king was saying, I don't feel that I need to prevent you from meeting uh, from the Kali of Abishulakam because. Remember what happened tonight. It's about chasnas. It doesn't. It's not an issue to you. According to the Tosis, because it's permitted to you. And according to Rashi, which holds that he's prohibited from being with a non-Jew, but in fact you weren't careful about it, so you don't care about it. So what's the problem with serving you bishalakum? That's according to the Ikedamri. <coughs> Of a light in Ashton Lushan, but according to the first version, is the Tam Ikri Shaloy Yehe Yisrael Ragil, the Yachlanad of Atomic. According to the, that opinion, the reason for Bishalakam is because you may, he may come to serve you something non kosher. If that's the issue, then bringing up what happened at night is, it doesn't answer anything, it doesn't, ref, it doesn't respond to why he shouldn't serve him something non-kosher because just because he committed that sin what does it have to do with eating non-kosher but we still have we're left still with the question as we mentioned before according to the first opinion what was the king saying to him I'm not certain that you that you keep kosher just because you're not certain why is that a reason why the king should still serve him something non-kosher maybe he is careful still also another thing that we don't have a clear explanation for is according to the second opinion according to Rashi which says that he was prohibited from being with a non-Jewish woman so the question is while it's true that Bati was not careful about a non-Jewish woman even though it was prohibited to him and therefore there is no real reason that we that the king has to be concerned about serving him something that's Bishulakam which the whole reason is that he, that he may come to marry a woman but he doesn't care about that so then you can serve it to him According, to, at least according to the king, as voltach fard givem besser, but even so, still it would be better than it is maktim de unnoyitzim sakim bekarka either shneidem esek fabati. So good, you don't have a good reason for for kashering the knife for bati, but since you're going to kasher the knife anyway in one minute, so wouldn't it be better if you did it before? 
and therefore you would have prevented him from eating something that he shouldn't. Since it would have been no trouble to the king to do it a minute earlier, so why did he wait till after? Why did he decide that he should be feeding Bobby something, something that he shouldn't be eating? That still remains a question. From this it seems that the king would have really cared about what he was doing for a Jew, to a Jew, and so on. That he was really concerned about that. Zion is the beer in them, so the explanation for that is the din as the din is, the halacha is as a parnish in Isman al somebody that is in charge, somebody that was given a position of importance, of leadership over the over people, tar, is not allowed to do work, labor, physical labor, in front of three people. Because that exposes him, because that sort of diminishes him in the eyes of the people. He's supposed to be a person that's a leader, and when they look at him as just another schlepper, so it, uh, he loses his importance. So therefore, he's not allowed to do that kind of work. Certainly, then, if it's the king himself, for sure, the king is not allowed to do things like physical labor in front of people. And even though the king was a non-Jew, and this halacha is set to Jews, is the halacha as milsa time of us But the halacha is that when there is something that is logical, the reason is understood. And it applies also to a guy. Especially when. It's the, the guy itself. The guy himself is doing it. And the, the rule is that we are a Jew is also obligated to give honor to a king, even though it's a non-Jewish king. And perhaps the reason why Jews are ob- obligated to show honor also to non-Jewish kings. The reason is as Kveda Melech is Azachvas is negates to Yeshua The reason that we have to show honor and respect to the king is because that is what guarantees or ascertains that society should should uh, flourish and not and not uh, crash in on itself. Because if there's no leadership, if no, there's no rule of law, if the king doesn't have the last word, so then everything falls apart. So there, that's the reason for a king. As the Mishnah says, because if the people weren't the king, uh, afraid of the king or the government, then one person would swallow another person alive. So in other words, the reason that we need to res- show respect to the king is in order to maintain an ordered society. And since the Goyim also have that command, they also need to keep an ordered society. It's one of the Shiva Mitzvah and therefore just like the Goyim have to respect their king so the Yidin also have to show respect to their, to their king the same way and the same way that they have to it's in order to maintain an ordered society so therefore it's without question that the king has to be respected and therefore is not allowed to do physical labor in front of people so it comes out according to this as that it be out of respect for the king the king is not allowed to bend down and start sticking a, a knife into the ground ten times that's not a job for a king to do it in front of Bati and Mar Yehudi was not permitted to do it and since but he would have eaten the esrig. In fact, he did. Even if he didn't stick it into the ground, and but he would not have violated any prohibition by eating that, eating that piece of esrig. to the contrary, as we said before, as he would be obligated to eat that piece of esrig because he would be in a position that if he refused the king, he could be killed for it. So therefore, for but he is perfectly permitted to eat that piece of Esri. So therefore the king has no reason to do it and he says he's prohibited from doing it. Kanal Sivdal the Far Hatum Shwer Malka must geben them Esrig on to Noyed Zain Friedem Sakimakaga. That's why the king 
was not permitted to stick it into the ground on behalf of Bobby Bati because Bati could eat it without that also because to him it was a question of danger to his life so he's allowed to eat it that way if there's no reason for the king to do it he would eat it anyway so then the king is prohibited from the demeaning himself to do something like that Malka. Uh, was, uh, and this can explain the way that Shver Malka went about this story why he did in fact do it for Rabbi Yehuda because the way he explained it what did he explain? because I know about him about him I'm sure what did he mean by that? It doesn't mean that in, when you talk about Rabbi Yehuda, him I know he's never going to eat something that's prohibited. On in regards to Bati, I don't know whether he's careful about eating kosher or not. That's not what he meant. Nor what he meant by that was, I am certain about Rabbi Yehuda as my Yehuda I know that Rabbi Yehuda, without doubt, he will never eat the piece of esrik that I serve him if I don't stick it into the ground. Even though Mar Yehuda was permitted to eat it because to him it was also pekuach nefesh, he would have also been risking his life to say no to the king. But even so, the king knew not a guy like Mar Yehuda, he's not going to eat anything that he shouldn't, even if it could endanger his life. Somebody like Mar Yehuda, I know he's never going to eat that, even if it's a danger to his life. Especially if you want to say, as the Gemara Zokt, that we're talking about the Rabbi Yehuda, about whom the Gemara says, about him. He was from the early people. He was like from the, uh, from the good old people. What is the good old people? That they gave their lives for sanctifying Hashem's name. Even in cases where they were not obligated to give their lives, they still did it. And Rabbi Yehuda was that type of a person, says the Gemara. So therefore the king knew that whatever I do, he is not going to eat that piece of esrig if I don't do what I need to do. Therefore, if the king wanted him to eat, the only way that he could get him to eat was to do it. And if so, then he was ready to do it. But when we are talking about Bati, about him, I have no idea. About him, I'm not sure what his status is. Not to say that now he wasn't saying I don't know if he eats kosher or not. Nor below is only he was only saying Bati of them. I don't. I have no reason to believe that Bati would actually be ready to sacrifice his life for not eating my esrig. So therefore, I'm assuming that he would eat it. If he would eat it, then there's no reason for me to do it because that would be demeaning myself, and that's prohibited for me to demean myself. Therefore, the king, as the king, Shver Malka was not permitted to well, I'll, I'll just look away from my honor. No, a king is not allowed to do that. He has to make sure that his honor is maintained. And therefore, he is not permitted to stick it into the ground for Bobby, Bati. That's what the Rebbe was saying, that if you explain it in terms of Bishl Akum, so then the whole story falls into place. Ches. <coughs> this story also gives us an important lesson in our service of Hashem. The story tells us, as far as Marcus and mentioned, that there were two people sitting in front of the king. Both of them were obligated to show honor and respect to the king one of them was in fear of the king and therefore he ate from the esrig that the king cut with his non-kosher knife 
Gefinin de kaheter them. Of course, he had he had a he applied a heter, he had a heter. because it could be dangerous to my life. Under id had by melech covered, where uh, and that Jew, meaning Bati, the king therefore did not have respect for him. In the end, the king didn't respect him. Under tzveiter. The other yid, which is Mar Yehuda, was by Shver Malkis given Kimli Begavei, which the king knew he was certain that he would stand up for his principles. Azervet Nishtayvazen Kid Isra Filu Ben Dosret Eriton Kavod Amelach Bismasirus Nefesh. He knew that this yid he would not violate. He would not eat from an unkosher knife, even if it would insult the king, even if it would insult me, the king, and he would be willing to give his life not to eat that, even though it's even though it, I could, it could lead me to kill him. Not only did he not lose respect by the king's respect, nor other, but to the contrary, he respected him even more. That because of that, the king himself was willing to forget about the protocols of the king, and he himself took the trouble to go and stick the knife into the ground ten times only to be able to do serve Rabbi Yehuda so the king became went into service to Rabbi Yehuda because of the great respect that he had for him for, way, for the way he approached his principles because you might ask the question the king didn't have to do it himself. He could have summoned, brought in one of the waiters, and tell him to do it. Why did the king himself have to do it? Or he could have even given it to Mar Yehud, and he said, you know, this knife is not really kosher. You want to kosher it? You go ahead, you know, right here. You can stick it into the ground. He didn't have to do it himself. But so the answer, why did he do it himself? But when a guy sees a yid, which is God-fearing, and he sees that this is a person that would not do, commit a sin, even if it cost him his life. The guy sees it as an honor, even the honor of the king. He sees even I'm a, even though I'm a king, I still consider it an honor. So that I should do it for him, that I should cash the knife for him. And not just to serve him, nor that I will accommodate him. And I will personally do what needs to be done in order to accommodate him, not over some very, very important Allah, but something which is a hidur. It's something which goes in other words, he was permitted to eat from that Esther because of Bukhach Nefesh, but he didn't want to. In other words, he was Mahadr Vimitzvah. So the king himself his, uh, took the trouble that he himself would accommodate that Hidr for him. The canal is Alpidin, but my Yehuda Gimekt Essen, as we said before, that my Yehuda was permitted to eat the Mesrig on the even if they had not stuck the knife into the ground. And by this kind of behavior, that's, that's the end of the Mesechta Avedazara, that's the story that's told at the very end of Mesechta Avedazara. In, in other words, that this is the kind of behavior which puts an end to Avedazara. We will completely do away with the whole concept of Avedazara in the world. And Hashem will become the master of the whole world, in other words, even in the eyes of the Goyim, and Hashem will be the king over the whole world, very soon.